1: The big players took care of business, PSG held on, Juventus left it late, Sevilla left it late, but Chelsea took care of business and Manchester United really delivered and Barcelona also made good without Lionel Messi. We have all the Tuesday recap that begins with Jimmy and Jonathan Johnson. It's all right now. Well, some left it late, some held on, but we got some wins. We got some results. Jimmy is happy. I am wearing Barcelona, courtesy of FCB Americas. By the way, check Que Lasso Twitter for some giveaways. But hey, what a good night. Hey, eh? Barcelona take care of business. PSG just about do it. Juventus leave it late. Some really, really good games. Jimmy, how are you, bud?
0: I'm doing great. I don't know what you guys think would be a good success rate with the wagers that I offer up. But I hit 50% today. I'm feeling pretty good, and I hope that people bet those directions of the wins and less for the losses. But I think 50% is pretty good, and, and uh, they did leave it late. Uh, that was that was crazy. However, some big-time players stepped up, and that's what they do. Cristiano Ronaldo scored. Erling Haaland scored. Chiro the Hero Moble scored. Uh, you love to see it. So many great goals, too. Bruno Fernandes was lights out for Manchester United. Uh, just, just a great day of games, and, and I'm excited to dive into it absolutely
1: uh you know and you know let's mention your parlay baby it worked out it worked out what did you have it as
0: so i had chelsea winning which they had some opportunities timo werner in particular he missed a sitter that i think you and i could have scored luis i know i bobbled on him a little bit but he's a world-class player he's got to finish that and he had another chance that ultimately happened at the end olivier Giroud had ended up heading it in to make it two one that one was a lot closer than i thought but that set me on on the right path I had Lazio also winning in the parlay. They did the business against Zenit, cheer the hero Mobley. If you guys are going to watch any goal from this match day, watch the first one from that game. Unbelievable that he even gets that off and across his body into the top corner. Ridiculous. And then I had a, a PSG winning against RB Leipzig, which was a little bit closer than I thought. I thought there were going to be a lot more goals in it, but it was a tight 1-0 affair. And I don't know if 1-0 was a fair result for PSG. I thought RB Leipzig probably deserved a goal on that one, but, you know fair play to to a team that knows how to win games and win trophies so it's uh that was that was the parlay and that paid uh, plus 290 so um, I'm feeling pretty good
1: yeah and as we're speaking uh, we're waiting for Jonathan Johnson who should just jump in at any point because he actually is at park de prince and he saw that game live the psg win uh against leipzig and we'll get all the analysis and break that from him so you know just wait on us when he comes in naturally we'll, we will just welcome him yeah, like a son returning from. <laughs> we'll welcome- but let, let me just break down the scores for everybody uh as jimmy was mentioning some of them uh Rennes lost to chelsea 2-1 chelsea booked their ticket to the knockout stage sevilla leave it late but they beat krasnodar uh 2-1 as well and they also Booked their ticket to the knockout stage. Manchester United beating Istanbul. Beshak Shir 4-1. Bruno Fernandes uh, just doing his thing, but a, a really good performance uh, and a, a good answer from what happened back in Turkey. Barcelona beat Dynamo Kiev 4-0. PSG, we just mentioned, won nothing against Leipzig. Lazio uh, 3-1 against Senate, who are just awful away from home. <laughs> Juventus leave it late but 2-1 against Orange Varas. Dortmund 3-0 against Club Brugge and that is your Tuesday some great games. Listen, JJ will come in at any point so we'll we'll touch on PSG with him uh Jimmy, but let's focus on the two teams who booked their ticket to the knockout stages before anybody else. Chelsea and Sevilla. Uh Sevilla did their thing against the Crescent who had like 11,000 fans in the stadium, which, you know, we can talk about that on another day, but you know, at least they, they left it late and made it. But Chelsea, to me, sneakily, honestly, the best team in this tournament, like they've only conceded one goal and, uh, you know, they, 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 they took care of business.
0: Yeah. The goal they gave up to was a set piece, which for me has nothing to do with talent, has everything to do with desire and just uh, taking pride and being a good defender and wanting to make a play. Right. So that for me is something that can be easily fixed. In some capacity, we put guys in good spots and you challenge them to just, just, just do your job ultimately. So even though the guy that scored is a, is a man child and he's not going to be easy to mark, he was just too wide open in that situation for that to happen. That's Outside of that though, Mendy was fantastic in goal for Chelsea. He made some big saves. I thought Ren were good and I want to give a shout out to both Ren and Krasnodar. I think they show that there's a blueprint to playing against a Chelsea, a playing against a, a Sevilla. You have to go at them. You can't just sit back and hope that something goes your way. you got to actually make something happen. And I thought they had good industry. I thought they were doing all the little things that were necessary to to get opportunities and to put these other teams on their back foot. And and for Ren in particular, who haven't been very good recently, they've lost six out of the last seven. I thought they put together a very good performance. They got to feel hard done by to give up a goal late. I thought a draw was a very fair result. Uh, But again, fair play to Chelsea. I think they've unlocked a few things. Having a proper number nine allows Timo Werner, even though he didn't score today, his involvement, the way he runs off the back four, the spots he finds himself in the box you know, whether he scores or not, you know, he's going to eventually, and he has throughout the season proven his worth. He's a tremendous player, but when he's out on the wing, I think he's so much more effective than when he's the number nine. Then when you take off Abraham, you got another proper Olivier Giroud, number nine, who's another good guy that likes to combine and obviously chipped in with the late goal there. For me, the big concern is hudson Adoy. Calum hudson Adoy gets the start because Havertz is hurt. Uh, You have Zayich didn't end up getting the start in this one. And then you have uh, uh, Pulisic who's out as well. Hudson-Odoi kind of been the, the odd man out. He'd been asking for a loan to leave Chelsea. He was tremendous. He set up Werner for the first one that, that Werner ended up tapping up over the bar, and then he scored on his own. He's put in his name in the conversation as well. These are good problems to have for Chelsea, but also kind of a headache for Frank Lampard because he might not have obvious choices. So that was a big thing for Chelsea. I love watching them play right now because you can tell they've got a ton of confidence.
1: Yeah, and now they can just honestly relax in the Champions League and and know that they have uh, the knockout stages to look forward to. As I mentioned, Sevilla also won with Munir Al Hadadi scoring in stoppage time. Unreal, uh, unreal <laughs> result. But uh, you might say maybe a just one Sevilla adjusted enough, I think, to guarantee a victory, especially over the course of the actual campaign. And then Jimmy, uh, let's focus now on Barcelona beating Dynamo Kiev. 4 nothing, Serginio Dest, how amazing is it, huh? I saw you tweet it. Like, for an American to score in the Champions League, he played really well. We talked about that this was going to be a good opportunity for him to go forward and do his thing, and he scores for nothing. Griezmann also gets a goal. Uh, Martin Braithwaite gets a goal. Uh, he gets two, actually, because he scores the penalty as well. He gets a brace of 4 nothing. Barcelona, go away from home. Uh, you know, this would be a good at, at the very least for Ronald Koeman, a good you know chance to just, you know, everybody feel confident on getting a victory in the Champions League. How'd you see it?
0: Well, I'll raise my hand. I said there was a possibility of a draw here and uh, that clearly I was mistaken. I will say though, at 0-0, the first half was boring. I thought that Kiev did an excellent job of making it difficult for Barcelona to break them down and to find any type of uh, to get, get it in any rhythm? But we could say that because of all the changes to Barcelona, because there's really no identif- play, identifiable player on the team that you kind of associate with Barcelona, there's no Busquets, there's no Pique, there's no Messi. There's, there's none of these guys that you think, oh, that's a Barcelona player. You have, yeah, you have Griezmann, who's I feel like I still think of him as an Atleti player. You have Coutinho, who ah, maybe more of a Liverpool or maybe even a Bayern Munich player. But you don't have anybody that really had that DNA of Barcelona. And so they have this really makeshift team and it was going to take them a while to kind of figure each other out. And they did in the second half. They made some adjustments. I thought Dest did a much better job or at least probably got encouraged just go forward a little bit more, create those numerical advantages out wide. And once he scored seven minutes after halftime, uh, Kiev just, they collapsed. And that gave so much more confidence to Barcelona. They started to demonstrate, I think, more of their quality and they went on to win the game and uh, fair play to them. I-, I bow down to that performance in the second half. That's something to build on for a lot of these players, as you mentioned, Luis, that aren't going to probably play as much when those other guys are healthy. And they put their flag in the ground and said, listen, I'm a player, too. I can play for this club. And if you need me in a tight spot, you can count on me.
1: Absolutely. And as Jimmy is talking Barcelona, we welcome Jonathan Johnson from Parc de Prince. We naturally welcomed you. Uh, One of my favorite tweets of the night is I'm looking at all the goal highlights and then I see JJ just saying, I'm so cold.
2: (laughs) Guys, it's absolutely freezing. It's been a long time since I've been in a stadium this cold. Really not enjoyable and that's not only the football I'm talking about
1: <laughs> <laughs> well JJ thank you for uh joining I know that you're called I know that the service as well is not great over there in the stadium so we'll try and do the best uh out of what you can give us but uh we left the PSG Leipzig analysis just for you my friend uh PSG You know, they held on, a resilient performance, even though you would think that Leipzig really controlled the game. But, you know, PSG needed that victory, needed that win, and they got it. Uh, How did you see it right there from Park the Prince?
2: Wow, what a dubious honor to be sinking my teeth into this tactical analysis. Uh, It was a really, really tough watch. Yeah, you're right. Uh, You know, PSG got the result they needed at the end of the day. Uh, 1-0, you know, that is the bare minimum that PSG really needed to take from this match, the three points. Uh, the performance left a lot to be desired. Uh, I think it says it all that Thomas Tuchel got PSG playing in a 5-3-2 formation at one point during the second half. Leipzig threw the kitchen sink at PSG, just weren't able to break through. Uh, you know, they were unlucky on the night, well-organized, put in a good performance, spirited. Uh, and, you know, I think that they will still feel confident that they can go through Uh, In the top two in this group, given that PSG have still got to go to Manchester to take on United, who seem to be the form team now in this group. Uh, And then there's the wildcard match at the end of the group stage against uh, Istanbul. So... You know, all to play for still in this group, but PSG just have so much work to do. You know, there are a few positives from the match: Uh, the introduction or the return of Marco Verratti uh, towards the end of the game, in typical Verratti style. First thing he does after coming on is pick up a booking, but you know, it's a big, big boost that for PSG to have his creativity in the midfield because you look. Or what PSG were trying to put together with the likes of Paredes, the likes of Herrera, the likes of Danilo. Uh, you know, it just doesn't work for PSG in the middle. There's no way that guys like Neymar, like Mbappe, like Di Maria can get the kind of service that they need. It was interesting as well to see that Tuchel left uh, Moise kern uh, on the bench and brought him on so late. Uh, you'd expect him to have uh, more of an impact over the final two matches in the group stage, considering the way that he started life with PSG, but he had been nursing a bit of a knock uh recently uh I, I can see that jimmy's itching to, to oh i am in.
0: i am well first and foremost i just want to let you know i'm sweating in here my heaters turned up way too much <laughs> and uh i don't know how that makes you feel but but i'm just like he's in california out. too that's
2: just so mean <laughs>
0: but no i wanted to say that yes even though psg i think didn't have their best performance they still got a result and i don't really associate these types of games with psg they seem to want to w- win more aesthetically pleasing they want to kind of dominate you in a lot of different ways but they only had what 38 possession in this one they really conceded a lot of space and, and possession, obviously, to, to RB Leipzig, who did play well and were set up well to, to have success and didn't make it happen in the final third. What does this mean, though, for PSG to kind of have some backbone and to, to grind out a result to make sure that they get through to the knockout rounds?
2: Yeah, I mean, this is something to be fair to all that people have been saying about PSG since he took over as coach. Uh, this is one of a series now of results where PSG managed to dig out uh, the the win that they need when the, their backs are against the wall. We saw it against Liverpool in the group stages a couple of seasons ago. We saw it last year in the latter stages against Dortmund. We saw it a couple of times in that run in Lisbon on the way to the Champions League final where the only really complete performance that PSG put in was against... Uh, Uh, Leipzig in that semi final. So, you know, PSG do have a habit of being able to grind out these results. We also saw it in the group stage against Manchester United a couple of years ago. I'm sorry, the latter stages, even, although we do know what happened in the second lap. So, you know, I think that PSG can take the positives from this in the fact that they got the result. There's a little bit of pressure off now, but they do know. Uh, that they can and will need to play a lot better, particularly away from home against the United side that, that are set up to, to score goals, particularly uh, when they're playing in the in the Champions League. Uh, you know, you're right. I do think that, that Tupel perhaps deserves a bit more credit in the fact that he managed to secure this result when there's been so much pressure on the team. You know, I think that they heaped pressure unnecessarily upon themselves with that result against Monaco last week. You know, to go 2-0 up away from home even if you're prioritizing this match uh, there was no need to, to capitulate the way that they did in the second half uh, you know and i think perhaps the fact that they got the result and managed to dig in uh, you know and show some some real character to to scrap it out uh, plus the, the the return of Ferati uh, you know, we'll give them a big boost. They've got a home game against Bordeaux coming up at the weekend in Liyuan before they go to Manchester. So, you know, perhaps they will now use this as, uh, you know, something that gives them a bit of momentum, a bit of impetus uh, in order to finally get their season uh, up and running because it's been a very, very slow start for year.
1: So, before you go, JJ, uh, the next game is Manchester United and PSG. Manu lead the group. PSG right now second, obviously thanks to that win. I mean, it's going to be a cracking game, I think. And you would think that thanks to Verratti, even though it took him like, what, half a second to get a yellow card, uh, you would think that adding players like that and solidifying the midfield is going to be the number one priority when you play against not just Manchester United, but Bruno, I'm just so hot, Fernandes right now. What do you think is the biggest task for Tuhel as they face United? What's the biggest thing that he has to take care of?
2: I mean, obviously, Fernandez is uh, the the form guy for for United. I was uh, I was having a chat during the during the match and saying that I can't remember a player who's joined a club and, and has managed to paper over so many cracks in such a short space of time as Fernandez since he joined United. You know, perhaps Mendy uh, going in goal for, for for Chelsea after signing from Rennes. But aside from that, I can't really think of too many others. Uh, you know, who, who have come in and done so much for, for a team in such a short space of time. So, obviously, he is United's key guy. PSG will remember that from their first meeting at uh, this group stage. But it's it's not only about the players that, that PSG need to be looking out for coming into that match against United. They need to now be concentrating on their performances. Let's not forget that Neymar's penalty today was his first goal uh, in the Champions League since. PSG played against Dortmund uh, here back at at the beginning of the year. You know, it's a long time to go without a goal. Kylian Mbappe is still on uh, his Champions League goal drought. So I think PSG need to concentrate on some of their individual uh, performances, you know, try and also, uh, you know, put together a coherence, Collective effort similar to the one that we saw at Old Trafford a couple of seasons ago. You know, I think there were some interesting tactical innovations uh, that Tuchel came up with for this game. Uh, you know, even if it didn't create the, the most aesthetically pleasing spectacle, I think the addition of Mitchell backer at left back was a very understated uh, tactical coup from, from Tuchel You know, he added the solidity that you don't get from a, a Levin Kazawa, uh, and I think that he will now try to build. Uh, You know, a a PSG starting eleven that will be able to go out, look to get goals uh, at Old Trafford, but but also uh, to keep things tight at the back. And I think the the real key to that match for PSG is changing uh, that midfield dynamic because we've seen it so many times now uh, with Verratti absent. It doesn't work. They need his creativity. They need somebody there inventing. And I think his return, uh, you know, really will uh, unlock this PSG
1: side. Imagine if Cavani just gets that late winner against his old club. Can you just imagine? That That would be a tough one, I think.
2: I have to have a word with the script writers and make sure that it doesn't happen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> JJ, before you go, very quickly, a question for you from Tom okay. on Twitter. Who's your favorite French villa player? Your favorite French villa player?
2: Favorite French, favorite French Villa player ever, or favorite French Villa player now? I think oh. there's, not, there's not there's not too many candidates for that. I was always a big fan of uh, Jordan Vera too. Uh, obviously, I was growing up in the in, in the era where Debbie Ginola came and played uh, for Villa for a while as well. That's the so.
1: correct answer, Jake.
2: Yeah. There, there, are, there are a couple of candidates but the, the guy that i really appreciate not not necessarily because of what he adds on the pitch but for the for the character that he is uh, you know the determination the grit we saw it last season in the, in the battle against relegation he's not featured too much this campaign but i feel that uh, Freddy freddie gilbert is uh, uh, you know he was one of villa's unsung heroes last season and he's a player that i've really grown to appreciate and I hope that he does get given a chance at Villa Park between now and the end of the season. But if he's not going to, uh, you know, I, th- I think he'll probably look for a move away in the winter transfer window. And I, I wish him the best of luck because he's a-, a guy that I've grown extremely fond of since he moved to Villa. From
1: JJ, I hope you are warmer right now. Get yourself some <laughs> hot cocoa. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Jonathan Johnson from Paris. We will see you very soon, my friend. Thanks a lot, guys. Pleasure being back with you and uh, take care. See you, JJ. Welcome back, everybody. We wrap everything up with Jimmy Conrad uh, with the remaining games from Tuesday. Listen, uh, from the scores, Lazio beating Senate 3-1, Dortmund uh, beating Club Brugge 3-0, and Juventus uh, getting that late one against Ferenc Varas. All the big players showed up. I think that's the narrative, Jimmy, of that one, right? Chiro Immobile, Erlen Haaland, Cristiano Ronaldo, they took care of business. Obviously, it wasn't just them, but when you need your big players, they showed up.
0: Yeah, I mean, Erling Haaland continuing his fine form, scoring a couple goals. Probably should have been on a hat trick. Didn't end up getting all three, but got two. And then Lazio, Chiro, the hero Mobley, you know, he ends up coming back in. They're a different team when he's in the team. He's so dangerous. And again, I can't emphasize enough. You're going to see any highlight. Go watch that first goal of that game. They let Zene get back into it a little bit, but over after they scored that third one, they relaxed and started to play. I like Lazio. I think they could have a nice run in the Champions League overall. And then Juve should have wiped the floor with ferencvaros Varosh, let's be honest. I knew that uh, Ference Varosh had the... the the acumen and the players up top to score. Talk Mach number 10. I think I've talked about him before on the podcast. He was influential in this one as he does and, and ended up setting up the, the goal. They took the lead, and that was going to be a little bit hard, but Cristiano Ronaldo scored what I like to call a grown ass man goal. He just like, I'm putting it on my left foot. I'm going to swing as hard as I can, and, and you can't stop it. And that's what happened, made it 1 1. I think the big thing, and maybe Andrea Pirlo will have to get questioned a little bit, is he went with the ball starting up top instead of Alvaro Maratta. Maratta came in and made a big difference. He ended up scoring the winner late to make it 2 1. Morata, for me, fits the team a little bit better. Dybala seems to have this love-hate relationship with his own club, whether they should play him or not. It's, really, it's like a lot of drama with Dybala, I think, in particular. When Morata's in the team, it allows Ronaldo to drop in a little bit more and Dybala to find those pockets, even if they want to run off of him. And I think they're a little bit more dynamic because they have a proper number nine. We talk about PSG. JJ, I was going to ask him, but I could tell he was cold, so I left, let him off the hook. They need a number nine as well, and I thought Cavani would be a great guy for them. But I, I know Acardi's hurt, and they lost Chupamotin to Bayern Munich. But they need somebody that their other talented creators can like don't have to deal with the, the, the defenders that want to kick them all the time. They can find those pockets of space to be who they really are. And I think Juve benefits from that as well. So that's kind of my thoughts on that. But yeah, all three of the big time players on all those three of those teams did the business. And that's what you expect playing in the biggest competition.
1: Absolutely. And we finish everything, everybody, with Manchester United. It's worth mentioning, obviously, that Turkey lost really, really hurt. For them and their fans and they wanted to make sure that they came out with a bang after the international break and they win 4-1 with Bruno Fernandes as we mentioned getting a brace and Marcus Rashford getting a penalty also had a goal called offside uh, and Daniel James at the end in stoppage time uh, right after uh, uh, Turic from uh, Istanbul getting in the 75th minute and making it 4-1 this listen we've talked so much about United Jimmy a lot about like who are you I but,
0: agree. And we're and, back to them being good again.
1: And this is it. <laughs> this is what it is. I'm wondering if like now what we'll see in the weekend, is going to be something different. But you mentioned something on Twitter and I said it too, because uh, great minds think alike. But when you have Cavani, which you just talked about somebody like our strong number nine, Somebody that just like can hold the ball, can drive in defenders, sort of what Ruud van Nistelrooy used to do back in the day, and then you can have all the freedom in the world for Martial to do the, his thing on one side and Rashford on the other, and it was exactly what we wanted to see, right?
0: Yeah, I thought Cavani just having that presence up top in number nine allowed, and that's what I tweeted out, and you did the same. Where you, it, it just makes Rashford and Martial uh, they get to run at the defense. Right? Usually when they're playing the number nine spot, you know, they have their back to goal. They've got center backs, you know, kicking them right in the backside the whole game. And they're just like, God, and they're trying to roll off their shoulder. And they're, so they're trying to kind of be wingers and strikers at the same time when those guys play because they have winger tendencies, right? So they're trying to like find those pockets of space and then still be able to run. But it's hard as a number nine. You have Cavani who, who knows that position, who loves that position, who's very good at that position. It allows Martial and Rashford to pick up the ball in a much more meaningful way, something I think they probably enjoy. And then when you have a player like Bruno Fernandez, and I love the addition of Donny Van de Beek uh, in the midfield as well, because he is in uh, a player I mentioned, I think, uh, or just players like him, that they control the tempo. He's a tempo player. So he gets the ball. He plays the simple pass. There's no, he doesn't overcomplicate anything. And I think United need that as much as possible, especially in midfield. And I think another shrewd move was having Fred be the only lone holding midfielder. Instead of having the double pivot, which slows things down, makes it harder for them to transition. They got Van de Beek, who's kind of in the middle. He can do both. He can sit, but he's always looking to transition the team and help them get out of tight spots. Then you get the ball to Fernandez, and you have these two magnificent wingers in Martial and Rashford who are at top confidence in Cavani with a ton of experience. This is a United team I want to see get rolled out again. My fear with United is that Ole is going to switch it again on the weekend, and they never get to build that consistency of, of building together, building a group that knows how to move together. Yeah, I know that means without Pogba, and that's a, that's a problem you're going to have to solve and maybe some other players. But I really like this lineup he put out, and it showed. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And, you know, it, Cavani's arrival alleviates a lot of the pressure as well from like your Martial's and even your Mason Greenwoods, who probably, you know, at a very young age is thinking, there's a lot riding on me right now. You know, uh, I, I don't know if I can necessarily deliver on a consistent basis. Obviously, we know how talented he is, but it, it just helps Solskjaer in terms of pressure. And all Mm -hmm. these players can finally say, you know, we can work together, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And Southampton, the Southampton game this weekend will be interesting because Southampton is the type of opponent where a team can be more reactive as opposed to proactive. So let's see what happens after that. And then the Manchester United PSG game is going to be huge. Man United takes care of that one at Old Trafford and it's game, set match, I think, for the group. And you're just feeling good. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there,
0: right? Well, I don't know. Three days from now... Four days from now, when we see them play against Southampton, we all might want Ole Gunnar out again. I feel like that's kind of the, the natural trend for whatever reason with this United team, and we'll see. I think what I would like to say also, and this kind of goes out for all the coaches or any young players that are listening to this, what I think really helps Martial and Rashford in particular is that they have played the number nine spot, and they've played that number nine spot in meaningful games for the club. So now when they see Cavani – who knows how to play that position really well, and they know how he should move. And then Bruno Fernandes is very familiar with how Rashford and and Martial play. It's just this perfect combination. But but sometimes, and this helped me when I used to play defense, when I was a kid, I played striker, So I and and as I was growing up. So I kind of knew the tendencies. I knew how I wanted to get the ball, where I wanted to get the ball, where it was effective against certain defenders that were either like me or big guys or quick guys or whatever it is. The more you can play other positions, the more it just helps you actually in the position that you're the best at. And I just think that that might be understated with regard to the the impact that that Rashford and Martial can have as wingers because they understand how to move with a number nine because they've been in that position themselves.
1: Yeah, don't mess it up, United. Keep <laughs> we'll it see. going. We'll see what happens against a very good Southampton side on the weekend, and then PSG after that. That's all the time we have. What a tremendous Tuesday! Uh, our Wednesday previews already out. So if you want to listen to that for tomorrow you have it Jimmy will be back tomorrow and we'll also have an MLS uh you know post uh round one with Heath Pierce and Jimmy as well we have so much content you're all so lucky right
0: this I really I was like man this is the real deal this is a podcast on podcast on podcast and it's made with love every single day and delivered by this man right here Luis Uh, we couldn't do without you man you're the glue that keeps this thing going and the heart and soul of it so it's been fun to, to do this with you
1: I appreciate the kind words, but it's all about teamwork, baby. Jimmy Conrad, Luis Miguel Echegaray, Que golazo, Champions League. We'll be back very soon. Enjoy the rest of your evening. We'll see you next time.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.